life is wonderful. Mess up a bit, you know? You don't have to be perfect straight away. It will happen in the time that works for you. Do not rush a single second of it away. Just enjoy it all. Welcome to the Power Hour, the weekly podcast that will motivate you to pursue your passion and to achieve success. I'm Adrienne Herbert, international speaker, fitness coach, Adidas global ambassador and entrepreneur. Each week, I'll be talking to today's leading coaches, creatives, change makers and innovators to find out their daily habits, morning routines and rules to live by. The Power Hour is all about taking just one hour each day to help you improve your life and unlock your full potential. Whether you want to build a business, write a book, run a marathon, or maybe you're just looking for a spark of inspiration, the Power Hour is going to help you get there faster. Welcome back to the Power Hour podcast. My guest today is a freelance journalist and editor with more than 10 years of experience. She writes for national magazines, both online and print. You have probably read an article written by her in the Sunday Times style, The Pool, Stylist Magazine, Glamour Magazine, Women's Health Magazine, and Brides. She often writes pieces on health and fitness, and even though she once described herself as the least likely to run for a bus, she has since gone on to run not one, not two, but three marathons. But instead of focusing on fitness trends and fad diets, she believes that a healthier life is all about good mental health, having fun, long walks, kindness, and feeling good. It is my absolute pleasure to introduce you to the wonderful Amy Abrahams. Welcome to the show. Hello, thank you for having me on your show. That's such a such a treat to be invited. So we've worked together a few times over mm-hmm. the last couple of years. Um, we often get asked to speak at panel events, and I think the last one that we did was all about sleep. Yes, it was. Yeah. It was indeed, and I still don't think I've sussed my sleep routine, but, you know, okay. still learning. Yeah, yeah, it was a good event. It was super interesting. Yeah, it was. Um, and there's so many things that I want to talk to you about today, um, from career to freelance life, social media, creativity. But before we get into all of that, for anyone listening who might not know much about you, who you are, what you do, could you please take us back and talk us through your journey so far? Okay. I will make make this brief. So um, I'll try to. Um, So I am a journalist, a freelance journalist and writer. Um, I started out working in-house in magazines though. So, you know, when I got my first job, I was a sub-editor at some a somewhat trashy weekly magazine. So we'll just, we'll (laughs) leave that there. But it was excellent training. So it was really stressed, like stressful, fast, you know, environment. It was like, go, 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 work, 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 quick, quick, quick. Um, So I did that for a bit. And then I ended up working at Glamour magazine for, I think, nearly five years. And I was the deputy chief sub-editor there, which means that I was primarily editing everyone else's work, making it better so that it was exactly what the editor wanted. Um, I have a bit of a soft spot for sub-editors because I feel like they're a really unknown, unloved part of the magazine industry. They're sort of like ghostwriters and... I don't know. I think it's quite a humble job because you basically spend your time making everyone else's work better. And at the end of it, you don't get your name on it. You so any credit. no credit at all. And it's really tough. And it's, a, and you know, it's a really important part of the industry. Anyway, after about um, probably about 10 years of doing that, I, I then decided that it, it wasn't enough for me. And I, I wanted to share my voice and you know, I don't know. Maybe I just thought this is my time now. You know, it taken a while. It taken a lot of like a while to build up my confidence. I think. Um, and when I was at Glamour, I started 
I was sort of blogging a lot for Glamour and writing a lot about their health and fitness there. And so in the end, I was writing a lot about health and fitness, but also trying to edit the magazine with my department. And I just couldn't get the balance right. And I just thought something has to give. Now is the time to go freelance and try and do the writing on my own. So that's when I took the leap. And that was three years ago. And it's been quite um, a whirlwind, really, since, um, you know, still finding my feet. Freelancing is not easy and... You know, I'm constantly adapting to what I write about and what I want to say. But yeah, I, I have no going back now. I love it. So great. Congratulations. Thanks. On taking the leap. It's paid off, you know. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think so. It yeah. was a hot, it was, it was, yeah, a difficult leap. Mm. It's scary. Uh, for anyone listening then who maybe dreams of becoming a writer or a journalist or maybe writing their own book or submitting articles to, you know, online publications. Do you have any advice for them on in this day and age for how they should get started? Just write. I, everyone says that. Every, every writer everywhere will tell you to write and also to read. So you have to, you know, know what's going on in the world, firstly. So, you know, be engaged. It's, you're not going to know what's going on in the world if you've constantly got your headphones in and you're constantly, like, just on your WhatsApp group, of which both those things I do regularly. But, you know, listen to what people are getting fired up about. I think a lot of what I write about is a response to things that maybe aren't spoken enough about but you hear people talk about it in whispers or people are googling on message boards saying what does this mean what's going on with my body or this horrible thing has happened and, and actually I'm, those are the things I'm quite interested in talking about you know those feelings of loneliness or or personal things like miscarriage or things like that so so for me it's like you have to you know put your ear out to hear what actually matters to people and then I think it's just graft you know I, I feel like, okay, I've had, since I've been th freelance, I've written for some great magazines and I'm very lucky I get commissioned and I'd probably get commissioned more if I put myself out there even more, but I'm still a bit rubbish at pitching. But, you know, I also was around a long time, made a lot of contacts, so it didn't happen overnight. It didn't just sort of become, you know, it didn't just suddenly get published in lots of glossy magazines because, I don't know, I just waved at someone once. It was really was just being present in the industry a long time and like you know proving myself so it does take time I think be patient I think discover what you want to say don't try and be a different type of writer just find your voice and you know good luck just keep going mm. don't give up it's a tough industry so I think with writing it's like if you love it if you've got something to say then then it's worth putting it out there. And I think you have to be quite bold to share your ideas on paper or, you know, online with the world. Because I think when you write something, I mean, obviously you're a writer, you do an incredible job of doing this, but I'm somebody who I can explain something, you know, when I chat, like in detail, and I can kind of argue both points and kind of be quite rounded. Whereas I sometimes worry I guess and fear that you know when I write things on my blog or maybe someone's going to read it and interpret it in a different way and I think you know I think you really do have to be bold to put things out there and know that anyone could read that and you might not be there to defend your point do you know what I mean oh, like how do you kind of I guess do that and um yeah because you can never please everybody right but you no. have to stand true to your opinion I know and I wrote something recently and someone tweeted me and just said something like that was the worst thing I've ever written and I was like why did you one why did you bother reading it two why did you make the effort to tweet me like why yeah. do something else with your life make your enrich your life with something more positive rather than like and I didn't reply actually because I just thought you know okay maybe you're having a bad day yeah. I'm not going to involve myself but I think um I do think with putting 
whatever you put in your blog or whatever you put in your Instagram, whatever you put out in your articles. And obviously I don't just write first person pieces, though I have written quite a few over the, over the years. And I think that there is a trend for people wanting first person experience. But I also don't think, I feel very passionately that we don't owe the internet our lives. We don't owe the internet everything. You are, have no responsibility whatsoever to put every single facet of your life out there. And and I refuse to do it. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I think, as you said, the internet can be very invasive. And I think you have to, as you said, create your own boundaries. You know, for some people, like I love, you know, Instagram stories. I love, you know, um, depending on who it is and I just think you kind of create your own media don't you so I purposefully choose to follow people and to watch and engage with their content because I love what they're Mm. doing or what they're saying and it just yeah I think you you definitely as you said have to have your boundaries and I think you know touching on that social media um thing how do you think that the the landscape of journalism and your industry has changed and how has social media impacted that from maybe when you first started to now yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think because I was in house for a while before I then went freelance, I think it's, I think I've really benefited from social media. So I'm very grateful for it. I have been commissioned through the things that I've put out there on Instagram, which I think is perhaps another lesson that, that there's, my Instagram is ultimately, even though it might not seem like it, and it's, I'm not a kind of devoted Instagrammer, you know, I'm sort of sporadically on there sometimes, but it is always a platform for work, that's how I see it. So I will talk about things that interest me. I will talk in a way that I think is creative enough that it will portray it to to people reading that I am a writer, you know, and my, if, you know, occasionally I might put up a picture of a dress cause hey, I like dresses, but you know, for the most part, I like to talk about issues, but so social media has been very um, beneficial for my career, but I think, um, I think what's been challenging is that I went into journalism, I went into writing because I love writing. It's the art of writing I like. It is communicating a message, I believe, hopefully, with skill, with um, using language in a way that is evocative and communicates, really communicates something in a way that people might, you know, who have read things I've written have said, you've exactly expressed what I've been feeling but haven't known exactly how to express. And that really means a lot to me. So I suppose there's a little bit of me that gets... Well, I don't know if this is like controversial to say, but I, I find it sometimes difficult when, say, jobs are given to people that aren't writers, but they have a, a certain profile. And I and I and it's, it's, I'm not damning, you know, judging. It's not about journalists versus bloggers. I think mm-hmm. that's a really tired, boring discussion. So I'm, it's not about that. It's not about bloggers, but it is about how I think we need to respect the art of writing and journalism and not just, you know, people need to not just commission people that have big social media numbers yeah I think that goes for so many industries not even just writing you know like my um you know I've got lots of my family members and friends that work in the theatre and it's the same thing you know Mm. there's people who are incredibly talented and it's not to say that these other people aren't but it's yeah I guess people's profile whether they're celebrities whether they've got big social media followings whether they've done maybe uh, reality tv maybe they've done soaps it doesn't matter but I think often as you said within different industries people are looking to kind of let's get this name let's get these you know big numbers and whatever and it can sometimes be I guess yeah for people who are in the industry who are you know very talented at what they do working very hard it's just frustrating it's like come on like there's people who could do that job so so well but they might not get the opportunity to do so absolutely and I but I do think that social media then does give you a platform I think you have to be on there I think I would be an absolute idiot to completely remove myself unless I was already a 
gazillion novel, you know, multi award winning, written 10,000 novels, or you know, it was Zadie Smith. She's not on Instagram. She doesn't need to be on Instagram. She's Zadie Smith, you know, mm-hmm. but I think I would be an idiot not to be there. But I do have a lot of sort of up and coming writers that, that I know or that will ask me, you know, for advice. And, and part of their issue is that they feel like they have to be out there more on social media and it's not their personality. And, and I think people, that's, that's a shame if it puts them off the industry because they're excellent writers. Yeah, I think I also, though, in the kind of other extreme of that, I also feel like when people say, you know, they want to do, they don't really want to use social media or they're not like, you know, this is not my thing. I don't want to do that. Like, I sometimes I'm like, you know what, there's certain things that regardless of your personal, you know, romanticized idea of whether you like something or not, even the way, you know, people are always on their phones and regardless of whether you think they should be or not, if you look at behavior and you look at human behavior, it speaks louder than words you know their actions so if you actually see that this is people's behavior regardless of whether you like it or not almost accepting that that's how it is and so if you want to you know um yeah if you're going to use social media to try to share your message share your voice build an audience whatever it is i sometimes think well that's just the way it is so mm-hmm. kind of get on board or get left behind and i know that's quite harsh but i think you know the one of the positive things about it is that it has given a platform to everyone it has given a voice to everyone you know maybe before some people wouldn't have even had you know the opportunity to even be in the conversation but now we all can so i guess it's kind of yeah it's difficult oh it's an amazing democracy yeah and and i am entirely i love the internet i'm entirely grateful for it in so many ways it's made help me make friends or it's get you know i've got jobs through it so i'm definitely not damning social media i just i think it's just it is not everything yeah you know yeah and 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 i absolutely will continue to be on there because it's a wonderful way of of communicating with people and there's nothing I love more than posting that I've written an article and then having a you know a discourse with people about what their their feelings are so I you know I gain immensely from that so I'm absolutely not I'm not sort of saying we can't have it because people are on it exactly it would not serve any purpose to be off it but I just think sometimes we need to remember that life exists the other side of those little squares yeah and that's sort of where the fun is really something that we both post about and talk about and we've talked about before is running so as i mentioned (laughs) yes as i mentioned at the beginning you have run three marathons which i know that you're very i don't know you're very humble and i think you know when it comes to running we've talked about the highs the lows Mm. the training the races so can you tell us a little bit about your relationship with running um my relationship with running I mean, I owe running a huge amount. I mean, I would 100% say that running and then subsequently fitness in general changed my life. No understatement. I mean, it changed my life in so many ways, not just um, how I think about my body and how like my mental health is. It changed my career because if I hadn't have started running, then I wouldn't have said to my editor, um, I want to organize a team at Glamour where we all do a half marathon to raise money for Mind because um, we had a campaign about depression. So it started as something that was tying in with work. And then, you know, if I hadn't have started running and I hadn't have loved that half marathon, then I wouldn't have continued to keep blogging for the magazine and talking about running. And then that wouldn't have, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, to the domino effect that suddenly left me thinking, I love talking about health and well-being. I'm going to go freelance and make it my career. So from that point of view, I owe running a huge amount. But I think it's the the mental impact it had that that I never thought running was something I could do. I didn't really properly start till I was about 30. So, you know, I was never fit at school. I was, luckily I had friends at school, so I got picked for teams. But if, you know, if I'd had fewer friends, I would have been the last for sure. 
Um, I remember once in sixth form doing a cross country race and I think having a cigarette, you know, I was like <laughs> loitering at the back and I just like was like, oh, screw this. I was such a sort of rebel in those days. And <laughs> and I think my attitude to, to sport probably as well as to academia was that if I wasn't going to be good at it, then I was going to be the best at being the worst. Okay. So I was going to really mess up and and show I didn't care but actually it was just a fear of of fear of failure mm. um and so when I started running it was there was an extraordinary fear of failure I can't do this I'm not fit I'm not athletic I've never been like this my parents aren't sporty I'm genetically not made to be this type of person but I just it just I don't know, it changed so much I suddenly felt so much more free in my mind it gave me a space to process thoughts it gave me huge respect for my body that was suddenly going from not being able to run two minutes to suddenly being able to run two miles to suddenly being able to run 14 miles, you know, and then 26.2, you know, it, and, and I've never, that amazing impact has never undone itself. Even when at the moment I'm not really running so much though I have, you know, just got back in the gym again and I go through waves of fitness depending on my life. And I think that's also important to note that it's, I'm I'm not a fitness person. It's not my life. It's not my career. I'm a writer. That's my career. So I don't, you know, in the end, I would like to keep it up. But if I don't, I'm not letting anyone down. So um, so I, I know that exercise and fitness is a journey, but I'll always get back to it. But but yeah, running those marathons, I never thought I never thought I could run a marathon ever. And when I was asked if I wanted to run a marathon and I was given a place through work, it was very much a case of, say yes and figure it out afterwards, which has been an approach to many things in my life. Um, and then and then the running of, you I mean, you've run them, you know what it's like, it's 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 a real example of humanity at its best. Because what seems like thousands of people doing their entire solo, you know, lots of solo journeys, which it is in many ways, it's also about a huge coming together of people um, with really truly great intentions and people are very supportive people cheer you on the crowds are amazing other runners will go you go you go you know or if you run and see someone that's got something on their t-shirt that says i'm running for my dad you know he passed away last year it's heartbreaking and and all you do is you just feel like that person is amazing because they are taking deep pain and they are using it in a really productive helpful way and I find marathons I feel a bit teary I find marathons really emotional yeah so um so then yeah so then I about six months after my first I did a second this is great oh I love running okay so let's talk about your you have a series of events uh, discussing a variety of wellness topics and you've teamed up with Toral Shah the founder of Urban Kitchen so your event is happening soon it's happening in January can you tell us where did, did this idea come from what's it all about how can we get involved tell us everything this is very exciting i'm very very excited about these events and um it's you know this is sort of hot off the press january the 22nd location is confirmed i can't tell you just yet so i would uh, you know if, if you're interested please do check out my instagram and twitter etc where there'll be detail um and we will be doing a series of them throughout the year probably um sort of every other month um, they'll be on a range of topics. So, you know, if you can't make the first one, then please do come to another. Um, it's called What the Health? And it's it's just trying to take a little bit more of a sort of no BS approach to well-being um, and have a place to discuss what being healthy is without the pressure of perfection. 
because I think there's a lot of pressure in the world of health and wellness, particularly um, about striving for a sort of perfect existence. I know you talked about this with like a deliciously Ella, you know, about you don't have, it's not all or nothing. Mm -hmm. You can do bits of, you know, you can eat plant-based one day and then eat something else the next day. You know, I think there's so much pressure to, to have, you know, this kind of extreme perfect health. And what happens then if it doesn't quite go right? You know, what happens if you get cancer? You know, do you feel like you failed? It's not your fault, you know, you can't do that. You know, if, if I can't go out for a run, have I failed? No, because life gets in the way. Um, so I teamed up with Toral Shah. Um, I met, she's a nutritional scientist with an MSc in cell biology. Her particular interest is in cancer um, and kind of just, just optimizing your life. She's not saying this green salad will cure your ailments. Absolutely not. Well, there's no quackery with our event for sure. But she is saying that it's the, the, the how we eat and how we approach our mind can all impact for better health. It's sort of like, um, without sounding too jargony, the event is all about exploring a 360 approach to health. So health is not just about what we eat or how we move. It is about how we think, how we socialize, how we interact with other people what we give out into the world as much as what we receive, you know? So so we'll be sort of breaking down various aspects of health, different topics, you know, from from a more general, like the January one, for instance, will be, it, January one, it came because January is filled with health nonsense. I hate it. This diet, that diet, lose this weight, get the body you want, blah, blah, blah. New Year's resolutions that you'll never, never keep to and you end up starting the year berating yourself for failing again. I think that's a terrible way to start the year. So rather than, you know, all of those can't do this, you're rubbish as you are, you've got to be better, your body is so gross, you need to lose the stone to, you know, I hate those messages, they make me really upset. So the event is all about saying, it's January, let's start off really positive with how we approach life in general. Let's kind of bust through some of this nonsense and leave this room armed with, you know, away our own personal manifesto for what feels good for us and so that's what we're hoping um the event will achieve um and there will be a you know we'll have some great guests on a panel we'll have delicious food um we'll have uh you know a, a chance for people to interact together and it's also very much about how um it's not about you don't have to worry if you come on your own mm-hmm. it's gonna be a really friendly safe space you know where we want inter- encourage everyone to interact so that you don't also have to feel like, oh, I'm scared to go. It's everyone's welcome. Yeah. Um, so yes, yeah, so that's that's sort of what what the health is about. Sounds fantastic. I'm like I'm excited. Sounds great. Yeah, and I'm sure that you know, as you said, people don't want to hear that stuff anymore. They don't want mm-hmm. to start the year hearing, you know, you must try this and change this and cut this out, and this is your chance to start a brand new you. It's like, what is so special about January anyway? Mm. I wrote a post about this, I think in November, when it's like people were saying to me in conversations actually, oh, you know, I want to do this, but I'm going to start it in January because it's November now, you know, like what's the point? And I was just like, what is this secret magic? Nothing magical is going to happen to you in January. If you can't do it in November, why are you going to do it in January? It's kind of like just decide you're going to do it when you want to do it when you're ready to do it why you want to do it regardless of whether it's you know the first month of the first chapter and all that for me I actually prefer September the back to to school vibe gets me more oh that's interesting yeah I always feel because my birthday's in October so I always think when I reach a new birthday Mm -hmm. that's that's my kind of year begins and Ah. this is what what the year ahead how I choose to spend it that's 
that now like rests on my you know I have that power to mm. change my year so from October it's yeah it's so that's going. the start of your year so what about I know you mentioned to me as well that you want your events your your events to be very inclusive and to talk about diversity within because within the fitness and wellness industry I haven't talked I don't think I've spoke about it on the podcast yet but you know diversity inclusion representation you know those topics are very important and it's happening but i feel like within fitness and wellness oh my goodness we have got a such a long way to go it's still mm. you know i'm still being invited to things i'm still seeing campaigns that are you know come to this event and literally the the campaign has got six very tall very slim white women with no muscle tone and not a bead of sweat and it's so unrealistic and it's so almost laughable now that i'm just like are you, are you kidding? Like, is no one else in your brand seeing this image and thinking we need to change that? I, I think a lot about that. <laughs> I get very angry about that. Obviously, I sit here as a white woman, as a white able-bodied woman and blonde, though fake blonde. Um, very, very <laughs> fake blonde, unfortunately. I keep realizing as my roots grow and my greys grow. Um, no, yay, greys are grey, actually. Anyway, um, not damning the greys. Anyway, but uh, I... I just, I think partly when I first started writing about health and fitness a few years ago, um, I would go to, I got invited to a lot of events and that's where I met you and lots of other people and I'm very appreciative of that. And um, you know, the, the, the new class opening at this latest boutique gym. And I would just feel in my own self, very alienated actually from these spaces because I wasn't as, um, my body wasn't the same as these people. I wasn't slim and tall. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I am very regular sized. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not sort of making out that I am, I've known a real struggle. I haven't felt like a society prejudice for mm. my size in ways that I know a lot of other people have. But I definitely felt in those contexts, you know, when you're in Lycra and we you know, which doesn't hide much, I thought, gosh, I'm quite lumpy. My bum is quite big. My thighs wobble, my arm wobbles. And I and I just felt um, I just always felt like I don't feel very comfortable here, and people wouldn't. Some people just wouldn't even talk to me because I didn't look a certain way. And I found that very unappealing, which is why increasingly in my journalism, anyway, I've slowly moved to more general well-being rather than just fitness because I was like, I don't. This is not my life forever. I don't want this. But from a diversity point of view, particularly, I just I felt frustrated with it. It was so obvious and it was so embarrassing when there was just such a a lack of diversity across, you know, from skin color to body size to age. Age, that is the one, I think. Everybody yeah. at those things is like 23. Yes, and I feel very strongly about age. And I feel like recently, I'm sort of slightly deviating from question, so I will return, but I feel very strongly about age. And I sort of almost recently on my Instagram came out with my age because I am 37 and I think that's great yeah i'm delighted to be 37 but i think that because of the world that i've been in and i think maybe i look a little bit younger uh, people say <laughs> you do look very people young say anyway. i didn't say it myself <laughs> you <laughs> do look very young. I, I have been told no so and i think that people didn't know what my age was which meant that i kept getting put in a bracket with certain types of people and i felt actually quite strongly like no i'm 37 i'm going through things that are very different to someone that's 27 and we can all have our multitude of life experiences and they can all coexist equally and all are valid and important but actually it is different for me from what is happening for you and so I just felt like there wasn't there wasn't that that space for discourse for people particularly that were a bit older and so Toril who I met as I said through one of her own events um is sort of around my age as well a bit older we just 
started talking about how we felt underrepresented in age and how the wellness industry is so uh, prescriptive about what you should look like that our bodies didn't fit necessarily. And she felt because she's her training is a nutritional scientist and she is, you know, has, um, as I said, a BSc in cell biology. She has this medical background, but almost like her, the way that people perceive her body sort of negates the fact that she has all this experience you know i've spent like years now writing about health and fitness i read medical journals daily constantly i know what's going on in science in the end the size of my bum shouldn't make a difference to whether i can talk about health or fitness but we people equate our appearances and the aesthetics with you know Mm -hmm. our credibility anyway so anyway so yeah so i just felt like there's there's not enough that's sort of more age friendly for people late 30s 40s because it's not like you get to 37 and you've got life sorted far from it in fact the older you get i do believe you realize the less you know Mm. and that i think is actually a, a, a blessing because you are more open to life but i see lots of people in their 30s that feel a lot of body anxiety they haven't quite appreciated themselves and as your body changes as you get older it presents more hurdles so anyway so yes and also from a diversity point of view um you know Toral, um who is not white you know felt very strongly that she was often again the only not white person in these wellness spaces mm. um and so you know for our events we are be very we are very very we're working very hard to make sure that the representation on our panels on our guests really is genuinely diverse Mm. so it means and that is across many things ages and skin colors and you know those all those areas so that people feel more reflected more like this is for them it's more inclusive and so because it reflects the world amen agreed okay let's talk about the power hour because this is the power hour show if you didn't know i think i've been talking about it a lot recently um do you know much about my morning power hour Yes, I know you get up at crazy o'clock <laughs> and achieve huge amounts while I'm still under my duvet. Well, it works for me. I'm yeah. not saying that it works for everybody, but yes, I do get up early and it has had a hugely positive effect on my life, my energy levels, my relationships, my productivity. It has truly been a game changer for me and for some others. So I guess as someone who's a creative and a freelancer, I think sometimes we have these romantic ideas that I don't know, that people kind of, you know, sit in like a robe writing yeah. with a coffee in one hand you know it's very uh sarah jessica parker maybe she's the one robe, to- by the way yeah, of course you it's do a wonderful robe. maybe she's to blame for this kind of idea that you know it's it's meeting girlfriends and shopping and i don't know what let's find out what it's like for you so what time do you wake up amy and what's the first thing that you do every morning i will say when you invited me onto the show i was like did she make a mistake did she really mean to send that to me like because i know about your power hour and i'm so rubbish at having a power hour i am so far from it i'm constantly in awe of you for doing it because as much as i have great intentions i do feel ultimately like i'm quite a chaotic being so (laughs) you know i feel like i'm just gonna have to own it okay yeah but that's the point exactly i want people to hear other people's um morning routines or lack of and you know even the fact that you say that you're in awe of it that's interesting because it's like why why should one be held as better than the other because if you're a creative person and you're you know doing what you're doing the way you're doing if it's working for you then i think that's great it's only when it's not working for people that i intervene that's when i'm like come 
on join me because it's when people are complaining that they're not you know feeling like uh, I don't know fulfilled uh, they're not feeling like they're getting things done that they want to do they're not giving themselves time to whatever that's when I'm like come on give it a try but if it's working for you don't, don't, you don't need to fix it well I'm very very happy for an intervention at some point in my life I will let you know when I'm in need um, <laughs> I think that yeah I think that because my life is quite unpredictable I think that is the freelance life and and I think um, sadly it is not like um, Carrie Bradshaw in Sex and the City I don't sit at my laptop okay so I, I said to myself today I was thinking about <laughs> these shoes and, and how would they think about life and you know I mean I love that show but it's definitely not me that too. there's a lot of sort of like ah no one's paid me for three months for this invoice I've been chasing or, oh my god I've got to pitch this or, oh god I'm doing edits I've got to interview someone I've got to write this up I've got to find a new study that apparently doesn't exist but I need to prove a point about something you know anyway it's it's all kinds of sort of unpredictable daily who knows what life will bring um however i will say that i am actively trying to be more organized with my life so i i would say that i have two alarm times two times i wake two times it, that i will wake up and it very much depends on what i'm doing on a calmer day i will get up about 7 38 on a deadline day i will get up at six okay so, so you do get up early yes um but not i mean it's not early but if i i uh, this is when i sort of think oh god adrian's so right though because when i get up at six because i've got work to file and i need to get it in those mo that that time between let's say six and nine is heavenly it's powerful i, I do it is i think you're right and i do feel very much like my brain is on fire and sharper in a way that it's not when I start to work at three in the afternoon. Yeah. You know, um, I think what's for me is that I have for the almost entirety of my life been a total night owl. I did most of my dissertation um, at university between the hours of about midnight and four. You know, everything I did was late. Um, and the problem was I did okay. And, you know, my dissertation got a first. And, and the problem with that then was that it sort of justified mm -hmm. certain behaviors i know i can get work done at the last minute and mm. therefore it meant that i've gone through life not consciously doing it it's all psychological it's yeah, all deeply course, embedded thinking that even though i can work last minute i'll know it'll be okay mm. and and so i've had to really work hard to un you know unwind those those deep beliefs and realize that actually i work better earlier in the day in the evenings i'm tired now yeah of course old <laughs> you know <laughs> no but there's I, a lot of you know i'm somebody who's fascinated in this so i've looked at a lot of you know i've read a lot about it i've looked at the science behind it and you know throughout the day we make a lot of decisions we get something called decision fatigue we also you know we get um our hormones change throughout the day our energy systems change our you know all these different things and so actually if you as you just described get up at six and you decide okay i'm gonna go straight away and write something or I'm going to do that you are think of your phone battery when it's been on charge all night you're at 100% you're green you know it's like you have the energy you should have like a clarity of you know hopefully you haven't already looked on social media and you've not been your mind hasn't been infiltrated by images ideas sounds whatever um so you should yeah have this kind of clearer more focused energy whereas as you said by three o'clock in the afternoon you know that lull or in, in energy or whatever it's harder it's actually harder for you to produce 
your best work. Plus you might have distractions at that time because the world needs things from you and you know, the phone rings and emails come in and things happen. Whereas that is one of the things I talk about most with my power hour is no distractions. I really need that. I'm a very easily distracted person. So that's why it's so powerful for me, especially if I've got a written thing to do because I'm like, no one's going to interrupt me. I can have a whole hour. An hour is like a long time for me to concentrate. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, completely. And, and I think, I'm trying to convince you, Amy. I'm trying to win you over. (laughs) I am, as you can see, I'm resistant to change. No, I do. I do see the benefits. And as I said, I think when I have to do it, I do. But I can't imagine I will. Doing it out of choice. I think if circumstances, life will change anyway. I think when you have children, I think your life changes immensely. And you do like schedule your time differently. You know, my sister who has two children. I mean, apart from that, she is the hardest working person I know. And she works in film. And I just think you know if any of us think we work hard the film industry really works you hard but she you know what she and her husband achieve with their two children and their jobs and everything I think is extraordinary and so sometimes they're good examples to me of how when I think I'm sort of actually kind of faffing about a bit you know get on it Amy you know I've really got at this moment in time plenty at my disposal Mm. and I should take advantage of it while I have it Mm. um but I will try, I do try. And also what I've been doing is I've been much more focused in, in the workspaces that I use. So recently I just did this trial at like a co-working space called work life. And that was really helpful because I would get up and as if I was going to the office, I would go and sit in, in an office, you know, and, and you can't really faff about as much on social media or whatever, because I used to get dressed. (laughs) Yeah. But also I just feel a bit, but I mean, when I'm there, because then I feel a bit guilty because I think, oh, that person see on my screen that I'm on Twitter for, you know, and actually I want to have this word document with words on there because this is what I'm about. So that's been quite helpful. Um, And, you know, and so I sort of mix up where I work um, depending on what I've got on and different places are very inspiring in different ways. The British library, I love working there. It's just, oh, there's this, such a solemn space of sort of hard work it's wonderful and I've got a little cafe um where they I go so often they know me now I'm sort of part of the furniture that I can go there if I've got like I say a research day so I'm doing lots of reading or Mm. you know and and I can just kind of relax and sip a tea um so I so so I think it's freelancing has taught me to, to work out what the times of day that I'm most productive the places where I can get certain types of work done um and yeah, I think my wake up time will always be slightly dependent on what time I go to bed um, because that's not a set time either. I know you're also a passionate advocate of a, a set bed time. Only yeah. because I don't advocate little sleep. I'm not somebody who believes, no. you know, like burn the candle at both ends and get up early regardless. That's why I'm so, yeah, talking about sleep because I think people see me up at 5.30 running and they think, well, how much do you sleep? It's the first question they ask. So oh, I think okay. that's why I've started to share that, you know, I am boring. I do have to be disciplined. I do have to go to bed earlier. But uh, for me, I wasn't getting anything done between 10 and 12 anyway i was just flapping around or boring though it's not your life isn't boring if that's what you choose to do yeah i know but you know what i mean it's quite perceived as boring when when people say like oh no i could never go up to bed at 9 45 because that's when i want to i don't know watch netflix or that's when i want to i don't know what people do but um i feel no guilt about wanting sleep either because i think you both of us know from events we've done research we've done articles i've written 
we both know that sleep is hugely important to your health to it's the longevity of your life to your mental well-being to the to the way your body processes its hormones to to all these things so therefore i think i used to feel a bit like sort of sleep shamed for needing about eight hours you mm. know but actually now i'm like no i'm gonna get sleep and yeah. And I will work around it. You yeah. know, if I have deadlines, of course, I'll get less and, you know, I'll, I'll balance it out. But I definitely feel like, actually, I work better. I've had a good night's sleep. And I think that's why, in the end, I don't... That's why you look yeah. so young. Oh, so when exactly. people thought that you were 27 and I, you're not. Exactly. It's all about beauty sleep, Amy. Yeah, yeah. What everyone thought was being lazy was actually just very, very, yeah, functional, purposeful Skincare. rest. Yeah. yeah. Okay, great. So let's, let's try and give our listeners a challenge to get them involved. So if there are... Maybe this is good for freelancers. If you are a freelancer, if you work at home, or even if you, you know, have a side hustle and you are blogging at home or whatever, what could our listeners do this week to try to, I guess, I liked what you said about environment, you know, cultivate, what could they do to cultivate a more creative environment and maybe be a bit more productive this week for one hour? One hour. Well, there's um, something in writing, but if I sort of speak maybe from a more writing point of view, there's mm. something um, called the morning pages that I don't know if you've heard of, but it's like a, I, I can't remember who the person is that created it. I'm very sorry, I will look it up. But it's it's about getting up in the morning. The first thing you do is you write mm -hmm. and you just write whatever's in your head. And it could be just like, blah, blah, blah. Don't know what I'm writing, uh, blah. And then, and then suddenly things will come and, and it, it's sort of writing, it's just free writing. And it's a way of getting out any of those kind of weird sort of obstacles or blocks in your head that are sort of, you know, you're, makes you feel like you're stumbling with your words. It's just a chance to just write. What I think is really important for writing is that, especially for people that want to be writers, is that you've got to give yourself space to write without thinking of your audience, without mm. thinking of your reader or you know or whatever your yeah the your, intention what is yeah, this for you know because i otherwise you'll constantly be trying to craft what's on the page to try to please someone else mm. and i think and i think like with a podcast you know if we if i kept just trying to think oh i want to sound really smart to xyz sitting in their room right now then i'd probably i mean i whatever if i sound like an idiot i sound like an idiot but at least it's me that's speaking mm. i think with writing it's the same like i can't i have almost no power over in some ways the words that come out they just come that is that is what i create i can't tailor them to try to sound smarter or wittier or this and and i think you just need to be a bit free with yourself and just you know so get up if you want to be a writer try you know you have to get even dressed just stumble into the mm -hmm. kitchen sit at the table and just spend an hour or half an hour just writing Freely. morning pages morning like pages that. sounds great so let us know guys if you are trying it if you're getting involved you can use the hashtag power hour you can let amy know or myself know you don't have to tell us what you wrote about but let us know if you are writing your morning pages so i ask every guest about time as we talked about spending your time well and getting older and all of those things what is the most valuable thing that time has taught you okay i would try and make this short okay i will say that the, the most valuable things that time has taught me is one, that time is precious and to feel grateful for it. And two, to be less impatient with it and not let it, not wish it away. Um, without sort of getting heavy and sentimental, um, a very, very, very dear friend of mine died eight years ago and um, he was 32. And, and every year that I have, where he is not here, I'm very aware because we're in the same industry as well, I'm very close. I'm aware that I have an existence and I have this imaginary parallel existence of his that I think about 
What would he be doing? What would he be striving to do? And so I feel very, very, and the old, and every year I get older than he was and he will never get, you know, to reach those ages now, considering he was older than me. It feels so weird now that I'm older than him. It's, I feel very grateful to just be here. I know that sounds cheesy and now, no, but doesn't I am really all. 100% grateful for life, for my family, for my friends, that I have a, a career that I enjoy. I would also say that in terms of impatience and wishing life away, and something I think maybe to, you know, something for your listeners um, might relate to is that I feel like life happened late for me in so many ways. I, you know, I spent most of my 20s sort of struggling away, trying to get up the career ladder. I spent a lot of my 20s drunk, to be honest, you know, and I mean, I don't regret any of those. Maybe I regret something. No, I don't. I don't regret any of it. It was all great. But, you know, I didn't start exercising till I was 30. I didn't meet the love of my life till I was 33. I didn't find my dream career until three years ago, though I liked my career. It wasn't exactly the dream. And I think there's so much pressure that people feel to have made it as soon as they like, come out the womb you know or like whatever they graduate it's like I'm, I'm 22 I don't know what I'm doing I need to have made my empire it's like okay it's fine enjoy the moments like life is wonderful mess up a bit you know you don't have to be perfect straight away it will happen in the time that works for you do not rush a single second of it away just enjoy all so um, before we wrap up, I guess it'd be great to tell everyone listening if they love you, which I'm sure they do, where they can find more of you. Where can they find you online and in real life? Um, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Amy underscore Abrahams. Um, and I have a website, but, you know, it's probably boring for you to go there. So just find me on Instagram and uh, or Twitter and say hi. It'd be really lovely to And your you. event. So if they want to see you oh, in the flesh. Yes, the 27th of January. Please check my Instagram and Twitter for more details about the event. We'd love, love, love to have you there. Sounds awesome. Thanks, Amy. Thank, Thank you so you. much. That was awesome. absolutely Delight. brilliant. I hope that you enjoyed this, guys. And if you do enjoy the show, if you are enjoying the Power Hour, then please don't forget to subscribe and also rate and review over on iTunes because that really helps us to expand the show, to reach more people and to encourage and inspire them to make a positive, powerful change in their own lives. So yeah, please share this if you know somebody who would benefit from hearing Amy's message today. Um, and I'd also love your suggestions. So any new guests that you want to hear on the show, let us know thank you so much for listening and thank you again Amy for coming in I appreciate your time thank See ya. you so much bye bye hey I'm Ryan Reynolds recently I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.